There are enemies at our gates, my children. Those who seek to destroy us because they fear our glory. Because they are disgusted by our beauty. But do not worry, my children. We have champions. Those with flaming swords and honor within their hearts who will reach out and crush our enemies. Crush our enemies. Crush them. Hey, everybody. This is another episode of Risk Management, an actual play tabletop podcast that takes place in a science fiction universe with killer robots and blood cults. I'm Steve Spaulding, here as always with my co-host. Jess Kinghill, also here as always. Excellent, excellent. Just so you know, this is the second time <laughs> we're recording this episode. We uh. <laughs> bit of technical difficulties the last time we tried to record. So the first little bit of it is going to be a bit of a, a retread for us. So if we don't have the usual degree of surprise, that is why. But um, who knows? The dice might come up differently. So anything can happen, right? So, so Jess, do you have any anything to plug before we start? I shall plug the same thing I did the first time we tried to record this. Uh, Violet Evergarden on Netflix. It's an anime and it's about an ex-child soldier desperately trying to learn the meaning of love by ghostwriting. It's fantastic. I still need to finish it, but I've already cried at least three times. I really recommend it. And I'm going to plug Red Sister by Mark Mark Lawrence, yeah, that's who it's written by. And it is about a school for nuns who just happen to also be assassins. And the world is very deep and interesting. There's lots of cool metaphysics going on. It's it's just a very cool book, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. And I really need to read more so that I can read this book. <laughs> you, you really should. So in the last episode, both Caro and Anders got their jobs. Anders mostly punched a guy and then solved a puzzle in his job. And Caro was introduced to her new research buddy, um, who's named Kilvin Kelvin. And they basically got to visit a virtual reality nursery. That Which was, was horrifying. But Caro believes that it was the greatest thing she ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the kind of game we're playing here today. Um, so right now, I think Caro is... No, what is Caro doing? Tell me Tell me where Caro is right now. She's feeling a bit mixed up. Uh, so as Steve mentioned, because of the... I forget how we say this word. Gesh, geese. Ah, forgive Gash me. Forgive my ignorance. Yeah, uh, because of because of that, that's that contrarian voice that has taken up residence inside her brain. She thinks it was the most beautiful thing she ever has experienced in her life. Uh, but also for other plot reasons we have not gone into just yet. She's also a little bit kind of wistful and sad about it uh, for personal reasons. And she she feels really out of sorts and she feels that she's really not good to anyone right now because she feels so mixed up uh, she's the the falling out with anders is still fresh in her mind and she is of the mind that she would just make things worse if she tried to kind of apologize to him uh for being weird so she's going to kind of uh i believe the metaphor i came up for last time was she's going to isolate herself like a bad sector on a hard drive little did i know how timely that metaphor would be now that my laptop has 
basically exploded. <laughs> it's, um, I think the gives new meaning of the word speak of the devil. Um, because it exploded like 30 minutes later. Um, <laughs> Anders is um, probably having just had a conversation with Helen Doyle about the untimely and gruesome death of our friend and I don't know what to Collaborator? <laughs> um, Mickey Larson. He's probably trying to process the information as he walks back to the integration center. Also, because yeah. Helen Doyle dropped a bomb on him, like it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good time for anyone. Yeah, no, it was it was really bad, and I think Anders right now is really thinking about that. And also, uh, I did forget to mention that there's a protest going on outside, so we will hear a lot more about that. Oh, so, will we? <laughs> With that summary in order, let's start things out. So let's zoom the camera out a little bit and look at the messenger's compound. At this very moment, what you would see if you could look from uh, eagle's-eyed view is about a hundred protesters surrounding the gates. Gates which are not looking as great as they did when Carol and Anders first broke in. There have been people who have been pushing things over, all the shrubs are in disorder, Aegis security, all 15 of them or so, are having a really hard time containing these protesters. In fact, some of them have managed to make their way inside. As far as what you're seeing with these protesters, I would say that it's a mix of normal people with anti-AI sentiment. These are people who have heard the rumblings from the messengers in, in talking about how in a few weeks they'll be able to prove that artificial intelligence actually has a soul. These are people who could be displaced. These are people who just don't like androids or robots. These, it's, a, it's a mishmash of people with varying ideological reasons to be against artificial intelligence. On top of that, though, there's a smaller group of people in masks, caricatured android masks, and the this group is there for, let's say, different reasons. And they're kind of in a little clutch by themselves. You, What you'll also see if you look are a bunch of placards, many of them showing loops of the Mickey Larson video showing this man who's found outside of the messengers who's been mutilated, his legs removed, his body flayed, and with slogans saying, you know, this is what happens, and all kinds of extremely unpleasant, extremely, let's say, bloody forms of civil speech. For the time being, it's pretty, pretty peaceful. There are counter-protesters there, people who align more closely with the messenger's ideology, but they, they are, you know, everyone's more or less getting along. And cordoning off the entire scene are these large, these extremely large black SUVs that are being driven by Millsec, which is kind of the corporatist police force that is in charge of civil protection and really anything that people will pay them enough for. So that's where we are right now. And let's l turn the camera to Caro. So what are you up to in the... Uh, she's heading back to her room. Uh, she is of the opinion that's probably the best place to be right now because she is... Well, she's processing the whole digital nursery thing. And also she's uh, not herself. She's definitely not herself. So when Carol gets back to her door, what she's going to notice is a giant pot with a potted plant inside of it. What does she, what should she do with it? Hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wasn't there before. And just so like the little voice in her head doesn't try and conspire against her. It, it, it's not, it wouldn't be fair to have something others do not, so I need to return this to outside my room. So yeah, she'll kind of uh, squat down, grab the edge of the pot, and uh, try to pick it up, but she is not someone with a lot of points and strength. So give me a perception roll of... Oh, uh, this might be... Of ooh, six. Okay. 
Go for it. Perception roll of six. All right. Okay. Let me just uh, back out and open up the dice rolling website on my phone. Oh, yeah. Uh, really quick thing. If the audio is a little bit weird, it's because we are having to do the straight Google Hangouts audio because of the um, aforementioned technical difficulties. So bear with us. Okay, so on the dice, I rolled a five, which is a lot better than the first time, let me tell you. Uh, And my grace is two, so that's six, seven total. So as you're walking this potted plant towards the where it belongs, which would be right next to the elevator, you can see a matching one sitting on the, the left side. So this one belongs on the right side. You notice a small, shiny object that looks a lot like a mechanical flower and it, there's there's a note um, attached. Well, less of a note and more of a tiny slip of paper. Mm. Do I recognize the handwriting by any chance? Uh, you do recognize the handwriting. It looks like it belongs to Anders. Ah, okay. I will pocket that right now. <laughs> Wait. So but like in in uh, a very sort of deft kind of motion quickly so that if someone else was to be viewing me, they wouldn't notice I'd pocketed something. Wait, so are you are you trying to carry this heavy plant and pocket the the flower at the same time? No, because that would be a bad a bad thing to do because I would then drop the plant and possibly f- fall and embarrass myself. Who knows? Um, Who knows no, I will, I will try and set up the plant where it's meant to go and then pocket the mechanical flower. Okay. So you're standing by the elevator. Um, give me a perception roll of... Yeah, give me, a, give me a stealth roll. Give me a stealth roll of... Seven. So, Grace again. Oh, goodness. This could go very badly. Uh, okay, so... Uh, so, I got an eight on the D10, and my Grace is usually a two, so that's like uh, a ten overall. <laughs> nice. So you're able to pocket that quite deftly, and <laughs> well before the elevator opens, revealing Luca Rojas on the other side of it, who Oh, I'm glad I didn't fail that roll. <laughs> who stops very suddenly as he sees you. And he kind of looks at you and looks at you kind of putting a plant back next to the elevator and he rolls his um, non-bionic eye. What are you doing? It's a really long story. Do you have time to hear it? As a matter of fact, I don't have time. I need you to come with me. Uh, sure. I just want to drop something off in my room. Is that all right? He looks down to a non-existent watch, more to tell you that he does not have time for this than anything. But then he I will be literally thirty seconds. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> he he just stands there. He he doesn't bother doing anything else. Uh, yeah, unhindered. She goes back to she goes back to the dorm room and she tries to stash the mechanical flower along with the note. In a similar fashion to how she hid her phone a few episodes ago, so in her footlocker, kind of buried really deftly amongst spare clothes and things. What? Why are there spare clothes in the footlocker? Who knows? Uh, just hope no one else finds what's in the clothes. Cool. Yeah, no, I think it's fine. Uh, I remember that that stealth roll was very good, so I'm going to assume that you you are now quite adept at hiding things in that footlocker. <sighs> Oh, thank goodness. I'm glad you didn't uh, remember the shocking rolls I made the first time we attempted this. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, no, so so do you do anything else while you're in the room, or do you go back to Luca? Uh, is there anything else out of place? Like, I, I mean, I'm hoping there's not another potted plant somewhere else in the room, but is there anything else out of place, or does my room look like it look as it should? Your room looks exactly as it should. Actually, I'm going to allow you to do a perception roll. Give me a perception roll of 11. Okay. <laughs> I got a nine overall, so not super great. I'm going to say that you've got this feeling. Like, it's it's more intuition, and it's not directed. 
that nothing in this room has been moved, but like, mm-hmm. like it's almost like there's an itch on the back of your neck that there's something out of place. Oh here. no, no, that's not good. That is not because. You said there's an itch on the back of my neck. What could be the cause of such an imperceptible <laughs> itch? <laughs> I have a horrible feeling that our friend, the covert surveillance nanobot that Helen Doyle so kindly gifted to us a few episodes ago, has returned. <laughs> I have no idea. And Caro definitely doesn't. <laughs> okay. I have okay, sure, sure. <laughs> so do you do you go out to to Luca? Caro doesn't suspect a thing, so sure. <laughs> Luca greets you. Come with me. We are very quickly running out of time. All right, lead the way. And so Luca. Just walks. so long as this isn't another one of your experiments, uh, I need prior warning for one of those. Luca looks back to you. I really am running out of patience, so if you can not speak for a while, that would be much appreciated. Caro nods. And Luca has his tablet in one hand, and he seems to be looking at something very... with knit brows. And in the other hand, I'm not going to make you roll for this, just because you see a key card. So Luca walks Ooh. over to the elevator, and he, and he <laughs> runs the key card. Instead of running his ID, his normal ID. He runs this key card across the elevator and he steps inside. And I suspect you follow him, right? Oh, yeah. Cool. I can't say no. <laughs> it would be hard. Um, and the elevator starts going up and up and up, which is different because you have never been above this floor before. So let's turn the camera back to Anders. And I'm going to say. Okay. Anders is walking towards the integration center. All right, cool. The doors, the doors are closed, which is unusual. So Anders runs his like little arm key across the biometric lock. Beep boop bop, it's red. And Anders, having <laughs> had a really terrible day, <laughs> doesn't even do anything. He just kicks the door and he starts to turn away to walk away. Uh, there is a gasp. Uh, like, it's it's the kind of gasp where, like, someone's gasping because they're surprised, but, like, it's so sudden and so clipped that it's like they've gasped and then they've realized they've gasped and they're like, oh, crap, I need to be quiet. Anders lets out a really really pained sigh and he walks up to the door and he says can you can you guys just let me in there like is this some kind of like game is someone having a birthday party like what's going on there's there's some there's some whispering it's a little bit like stage whispering but you can't hear exactly what they're saying and they are trying to be quiet still it's seth can you let me in the door Oh, all oh, right. Uh, sorry, your your voice is muffled. I didn't recognize. Never mind. It's not important. And you hear um, you hear a beep, and the door opens, and he's like, "Right, okay, ten. You've got ten seconds to get in this room, otherwise it'll lock again. Come on." And you can you can now identify the voice as Neshton Boyle. <laughs> and he shuffles inside and looks around. He slams the door behind you, quite urgently. Anders just sort of shrugs. He doesn't even care anymore. He just looks around and sees what's going on in this room. Ah, uh, it's it's quite cozy in the integration center. There's um a lot of people concentrated in this area. You've not seen such a high volume of people in one area since, you know, the murder. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> something's not right. He looks over to Nectan and, and he's like, didn't you get called away about some protest or something? Like, what? What's going on here? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I, I was called away briefly, and then I was instructed quite promptly to come back here and uh, file everyone into this room for the uh, for for a while, for a while, and uh, for our safety. Yes, for our safety, and it is paramount to our safety that we also remain quiet uh, for the foreseeable future whilst we are in this room. Uh, he's freaking out about something, and, uh, 
you you get a sneaking suspicion that uh, this protest uh, is a bit more involved than you were initially led to believe. So, shouldn't I'm gonna guess? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a wild guess here. This little protest that that was going on is um, bigger than we originally thought it was. Uh, uh, yes, but we are working with I guess to contain the situation. Uh, but for our safety, for our safety, uh, just as a you know pre- preventative measure, uh, we have advised that everyone uh, of this rank uh, congregate here for the time being. Um, yes, and uh, hopefully uh, it won't be for long. Uh, it won't be for much longer. Uh, <laughs> and you hear someone mumble like, we've been in here three hours. We are security. Shouldn't we be out there in places that need to be secured? Yes, yes. Uh, I may, in fact, be called away soon, but uh, you, you've not run the full uh, gauntlet of uh, VR trials yet, though I have a sneaking suspicion by, that by the end of today, those VR trials will be useless because you'll have real world experience. But for the time being, it's been decided that uh, now is really the best place for both of us uh, here and now. And almost on cue, the elevator that leads to the integration center kind of like sleeping area opens. And out of that elevator, you see Sunday Grant and Kieran, the the robot or the android that was with her um, during the experiments, the large (laughs) security android. And they are both decked out in full body armor. Kieran has a rifle slung over his shoulder that you can tell is that anyone in the, well, Anders can tell is an energy weapon of some kind. And Sunday has a sidearm that Anders can't quite recognize. He's not 100% sure what he is seeing here. It seems heavily That's not modified. good. So, and they both make their way briskly towards Necton and Anders. And uh, Necton's eyes uh, go wild, go like really wide at the sight of Sunday Grant armed and ready to rock uh can i ask what you two are doing here uh well we were instructed by uh uh uh, one of our superiors to uh wait for further instruction here honestly okay that's fine is the facility secure yes absolutely uh freya and a few other of the uh guards they they've gone with their parties and they are they you don't need to worry about those areas they are fully secured. Freya's there, you say? Yes, uh, and a few other people, not just Freya. Good. And you two are standing around here, locked behind a door for a, for a reason? Yes, uh, I, I myself was instructed to uh, wait here for further instruction, and uh, Anders just showed up. Uh, so isn't it such a good coincidence that you're here now? Well, yes, consider us your further instruction. So... Why why don't we come along? Both of you. Uh yes. Yes, ma'am. And Karen kind of rolls his eyes in an extremely human manner and makes his way towards the door. He runs a key card across the door and it opens, and both Kieran and Sunday lead Necton and Anders out towards an elevator that will lead down and down down to the lobby. So the door to the elevator opens and you find yourself on the sixth floor. And this is very different than some of the other floors you've been in. You've always had this sneaking suspicion that the building is has more space than, than its architecture leads you to believe. And this mm. room kind of proves that out there. Like it's ringed with these offices and it looks like everyone has a corner office, right? But there's like dozens of them. And in the center is this sort of open floor plan set of desks. And in this room, you see people in gold robes, people in red robes, people in black robes. And as you both walk into the room, everyone stops and turns towards you. And they seem (coughs) just as disturbed to see Luca as they are to see you. I like having that uh, effect on people. (laughs) Well, did you, did you mention what the other people in the room were doing they were they right now it looks like they are all working very very busily on tablets 
oh, can I, can I, like, subtly sneak a peek at what may or may not be on these tablets? But, like, you know, kind of in such a way as, like, your eyes rest upon something and then, like, she's trying to play it off as a, oh, wait, I'm not meant to be looking at this. I will look away quickly, having absorbed all the information I need to, but they don't need to know that. Oh, you can try. Do you want to try? It's going to be the quickest glance, but I can always try. Cool. Okay. Give me a stealth roll. Remember, I think you bought, didn't you buy a plus one stealth thing? Oh, you're right. <laughs> um, I, it's just because I, I, I literally don't have like anything open because I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx this call. <laughs> so yes, you're right. I did buy like a hypno talent specifically for stealth because I was rolling really badly. Cool. Um, <laughs> so make sure you take your plus one and then give me a stealth roll against a DC 10. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, one second. These people are very unexcited about you guys being in here. <laughs> On the D10, I got a four. My grace is a two, so that's okay. six. Uh, but with the hypno talent, that is seven, but that's still nowhere near the DC. So give me, give, paint me a picture of what you tried to do. Like, I tried, uh, Carrie tried to kind of like, Obviously, there's a point of interest, and she's kind of like, okay, here's how I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it like... Actually, before you tell me that, the person who, uh, when you were trying to look at this tablet, was it a gold robe, a red robe, or a black robe? Let me just see if I can remember the hierarchy of this organization. Red robe is a, is above gold robe. Am I correct? Correct. And the only time you've ever seen black robes are near the front of the chapel. In for a penny, in for a pound, I'm going to look at the guy wearing the black robes tablet. Going to just see what good what goodies he has on the screen. <laughs> cool. Now tell me how you, how you went about doing this. Okay. So, like... <laughs> so, so like, she, she's identified the point of interest, but she's kind of trying to play it off as, like, your attention is drawn and you're looking before you can even realize you're looking and then but you but then when you do realize you immediately look away because you're like oh wait i shouldn't be looking there but she's trying to do it in such a way that she's still going to absorb some information from that tablet um let's see how badly this goes for her like i'm just imagining her being really unsubtle and just staring <laughs> so what actually happens is that you walk over towards this person and you do look very, very quickly, but then you find that your eyes are lingering and you, you're, you're not absorbing any information, but you just can't look away for a second. Like it's one of those times, like, like in, in, if there's like a car crash and you just are like unable to quite look away and your brain refuses to process the information there. Um, right. But, you're, but you see something but you can't tell exactly what you see. And, and time kind of slips from you for a second. And when you Great. when you come back to yourself, there is a heavy hand on your shoulder. Uh sorry, sorry. I I I, I didn't I didn't see anything. I sorry. Just gosh, because you know, because she's such a talky character, impropri impropriety is like the worst thing she can accidentally be caught doing, like committing. So she's like blathering. <laughs> so the person turns you around and it is a, actually give me a perception roll of oh, okay. <laughs> A perception roll of eight. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's. Actually, no. Give me a knowledge roll of eight. I'm gonna, gonna change this up a little bit. I I, I double checked that roll because I got a nine on the D10 on its own. Uh, so that overall, that's on a, that's an eleven. Excellent. You are having the hardest time trying to figure out whether or not this person is an android or or a human being. It is. They have their their features are uncanny in in certain like very particular ways. Like they don't, they look perfect, but like not perfect in sort of a oh there are no blemishes here kind of way. 
They look symmetrical. They look almost like what you would get if you had a character creator in a video game, right? Like they look, they look, mm. but there's like enough there, but it's like past the uncanny valley, right? Like there's enough detail here where it feels very human. And so it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm looking at something that is alien here. It just feels like you're looking at, at like a movie star, like, but, but the person isn't a movie star, right? Like you, you, do you understand kind of where I'm going with yeah, this? Yeah, like, but it's like the best lighting, the best angle, but all the time. And they're definitely not wearing makeup. And don't you Correct. just hate people like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they are, they are definitely not wearing makeup of any kind, but it's like, they they are striking in in the fact that they are the best version of themselves uh. and this person is wearing a let's say this person's wearing a red robe and he he turns you it turns you around physically and says who are you uh, uh i i i'm sorry uh i was invited by luca rojas to, to come up here uh, uh i'm i'm terribly sorry for imposing Luca walks up next to the man and he says, Daniel, Daniel, she's with me. And Daniel looks over to him and he looks furious. Oh, and he looks goodness. Back, back to you. I don't care who she's with. Who is she? Who are you? Tell me now. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, hi, I'm Izzy. Izzy, 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 uh, uh, Tristram. N- n- nice to meet you, sir. Daniel looks back to, to Luca. Why is she here? Luca says, I need her. So if you could take your hands off my project, then we can move forward. And Oh, that's seem- an interesting choice of words. <laughs> and they, they seem to like look at each other and the word project seems to change what what daniel like daniel's hand is like less like it's not quite as firm his grip on your shoulder and he actually takes one step back and luca turns to him i understand that she shouldn't be here but i will take full responsibility for her yeah fine just get her away from here we're we're working as you, as you know, we're working on something incredibly important right now. I understand your work's important, Daniel. I will take her from here as soon as I can. Oh, is everything okay? Are we okay? Yeah, fine. We're fine. And he pushes you towards Luca, who takes a step back so that you don't run into him. What do you do? I, 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 I get the dreadful sense I'm imposing. Um... <laughs> If she keeps uh, talking, I'm going to take her throat. And it doesn't even sound like a threat. It just sounds like, like, would you like a glass of water coming from him? Wow, that's... Mm. Carrie's not saying anything. She's just kind of swallowing her words. And she's kind of like, right, okay. Talking's not going to improve this situation. Um. And Luke... <laughs> Luca takes you by the hand, um, or you can you can like avoid that if you'd like, but otherwise he's Yes, taking, please. <laughs> he he takes you by the hand and he walks with you towards an office that is one of the dozens of offices that's in a corner, and he opens the door using his key card. Um, when you walk inside, you see three men, um, let's say two red robes and one black robe. And it's it's kind of a boiler room kind of scenario. They all look like they've been chattering to each other. They all look like they're very stressed out. And when they see Luca and you enter, they turn and they look not so happy to see anyone. What do you do? Uh, well, I'd rather like to maintain ownership of my throat. So I'm not gonna try any funny business. <laughs> I'm going to follow, I'm going to do as Luca does, follow him, try not to get into too much trouble, unless they have something really interesting. <laughs> so they definitely have, like, like you, with your knowledge of computer systems, you can tell that whatever's going on on their screens is like, probably very interesting. <laughs> um, ah, the breadcrumb, tr- the breadcrumb trail is too strong. 
Um, but Luca is taking a seat at a terminal um, and like booting it up. So you probably have eh, 15 seconds to do something before Luca. I mean, I failed the last roll. It doesn't mean I'm going to fail it again, question mark. I have no idea. (laughs) I have this horrible feeling that we're not going to be hearing much from Caro going forward. But in these games, you've got to try. Uh, she's gonna she's gonna try the same move twice because it worked so well for her the first time. So she's going to kind of do the subtle like, oh wait, something interesting. Shit, I shouldn't be looking at that. Look away, kind of. Two, two red robes and a black robe. Pick one. I am definitely not looking at the uh, the guy in the black robes. Uh, <laughs> scream! Uh, I will look at one of the red. Ro- I will look at the closest red robe, the most distracted red robe, who. I will look at the person who seems to be most engrossed in their screen uh, rather than the closest red robe. So tell me how you do this. Very, very much like before, kind of like not even two eyes on the screen, but kind of like really subtly out of the corner of her eye, but then kind of realizing, oh, wait, you know, just to kind of make it a little bit more believable. And also like she has common good graces, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Okay, give me... Give me a nine. Uh, a stealth roll. Okay. Uh, two seconds. So on the D10, I got a four. Oh, no. <laughs> what is so, that? So, uh, is... Oh, it's a seven again, right? I thought you asked for a nine. Right. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I believe... With my With my... Yeah, my total would be seven, including the Hypno Talent, if this is a stealth roll. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Darn. Um, so it's what's actually interesting, you do get something interesting. Your eyes do the same thing, which is like, the first uh. time it's like weird. But this time you look over at the screen and again, your brain will like, it's like you're seeing a bunch of geometric shapes that don't make any sense to you. And your brain, but your brain's just like locked onto it and it refuses to process this information. And, but this time when you do, the guy at the computer, no, it's a woman at the computer. The woman at the computer stands up and turns towards you. And she doesn't even stop. She's wearing a red robe. And before, like, Luca sees this and he turns around. And before you can even, like, move, she raises one hand and puts it palm up in front of you. And then you hear a string of words that don't make any sense to you. Like, none at all. And then suddenly, you can't breathe. Oh, goody. Uh, damn it. Oh, for God's sake, Caro. Uh, In fact, well, it's not I even mean... like you can't breathe and you just started holding your breath. It's like all of the air in your lungs is gone. So you are, you were, it's like you've been choking for the last 30 seconds. Uh, I have the sneaking suspicion I shouldn't be staring at people's screens when they'd rather I shouldn't. <laughs> Oh um, God, Caro! Do you do anything? Like, like, or, like there's nothing. There's very little that can be done other than to kind of reduce the amount of energy being expended by her physical body, so that she can grasp the last dregs of oxygen within her system for as long as possible before she blacks out or dies. Luca, <laughs> Luca turns and sees you, and then he looks over to the woman, and he lets out a sigh and. <laughs> And he oh, says, it's all jolly. It's all jolly well for him letting out a sigh. I've got nothing. <laughs> can you explain why? You know, never mind. Can you? Can you just stop. We don't have time for this. And she looks over to him, and there's like this like fear in her eyes, but it's like so mixed with the anger towards you that that it seems to be doing a battle. How, what's your expression like? Like, what do you look like? Do you do you look? <laughs> Well, I imagine slowly turning blue. <laughs> oh, quickly turning blue. Um, do you look contrite? Do you look like, what would your honest expression be in this scenario? Like, Kara is not like, we, we've established time and time again, like she has like no defenses, well, minimal defenses against the occult. It's not really something she understands or has a lot, well, she has a lot more headspace dedicated to it now against her will, but um, it's not something she dedicates a lot of headspace to on a good day. And it's just, she's just having a lot of bad days. This is a force she does not understand and is having nothing but negative experience of. So she is like freaking out, uh, but quietly because she can't breathe or scream or anything. 
Right, right. So she's not making noises, but she is actively freaking out. Like, yeah, like obviously, like the aisles, the the aisles, the eyes are wide and wild, and like there is, you know, like a kind of base survival instinct of looking for an escape. But of course, you can't escape your own body unless you really try. So, um, yeah, like there's not a lot she could do, honestly. So the red robe looks down to you, and there's just the barest trace of pity that kind of breaks through this mask. And then she looks over to to Luca, who is standing with his arms folded across his chest, and and the fear returns. And then suddenly the, the calculus between this fear and the pity and the anger, like, one, the, the anger loses. <laughs> and then suddenly you have air again like you're you feel like you can breathe again but it's not like gasping air is returning it's like oh i'm i'm alive again and normal take two damage ah and the only thing you feel is that it feels you feel like your throat has been bruised but like not on the surface of your skin like somewhere underneath it it's like the blood underneath your skin has has bruised the inside that's horrible <laughs> so that's horrible but also kind of awesome uh so what do you do magic just say no <laughs> um, what's going on uh, Caro, oh. ca- like Caro, like okay yeah she just had a near-death experience uh but also like b she feels quite silly now that she can breathe again and she's trying to kind of play this off but you can't play this off so she's doing it very badly and she kind of like straightens up very suddenly and kind of like tries to kind of uh look anywhere that but like that isn't either luca or the lady in the red robes or the screens definitely not at the screens uh (laughs) and she's trying to straighten out her robe and just kind of like stay out of trouble now so the interesting thing that happens is that the woman's still staring at you. Give me an occult of nine. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> With a disadvantage um, of one. So Disadvantage. So. Great. If I remember correctly from my character sheet, strength was the true dump stat that I only had one point in, and occult actually had two points in. So let's see what the dice says. It's just not my day to day. So I got a natural one on the D10. I have this horrible feeling that Carrie's just going to explode in a plume of viscera. But uh, yeah, so total, that's three. You know what's weird? You don't remember how you got in this room. Great. All you remember is that you were in a lot of pain a few seconds ago and that Luca asked you to come with him and that now you're in this room and that everything... In fact, you don't even see anyone in this room other than Luca Rojas right now. Oh, God. Well, that's really, you know, strengthening the negative association between just negative things and when Luca asks Caro to come with him for a moment. Uh, So, yeah. Luca looks over Uh, to you and is like, Huh? Are you going to be on the floor for long? <laughs> I'm on the floor again. <laughs> yes, it's very um, strange. Honestly, uh, Caro kind of tries to jump to her feet because <laughs> this has been a roller coaster morning. <laughs> Luca points to a metal chair beside him. Yeah, uh, there's nowhere else to go, so she sits. She sits in the chair. So I believe you might be able to help us with the little problem we're having. Ah, well, so long as it's not another one of your experiments, uh, I I need prior warning for that. And she says it basically word for word as before, but she doesn't realize this is the first time. It feels like the first time she's saying it. Luca doesn't even look at you, and instead he pulls up um, a bunch of images on a screen, and he points to them. And on one image, you see (coughs) a clutch of people wearing caricatured robot masks. That that, and they also have these like big like wrist computers on these like big clunky looking wrist computers on, and and they look very much like they're kind of they're like cosplay Iron Man without the armor, right? Like 
Oh dear. <laughs> and there's like a bunch of them and they're they're in varying degrees of sort of like they have varying degrees of like anarchist slogans all over them. Many of them are heavily tattooed. There's like 12 of them and they're kind of gathered in a knot and you're looking at them from from above. So this is sort of a drone's eye view <laughs> of them. And when the drone kind of backs out, you can see that they are kind of gathered together surrounded by a group of protesters and when you zoom out a little bit further you see a large hologram like a high-powered like holographic projection in the air of a dead and flayed mickey larson hanging in the air above them oh that's not good (laughs) on the second screen you see a lobby and you see actually you see a lobby you see about eh, maybe 20 people inside of this lobby and you know that it is the lobby and you know those people are not members of the cult and they they do not seem very happy and it is clear to you that this place has been tossed that these people have been like breaking stuff and like not exactly leaving this place in in good shape on the third screen you see a floor that might be fourth floor so it's not the one you live on it it might be the one right above it and you see a bunch of these like flying drones and the cameras are having a hard time keeping up with them and the drones just are like like looking for something um but it's entirely like it's very difficult to say what they're like stopping at walls they're like taking scans of walls they're doing all kinds of different things and on the fourth screen which it seems to be a floor even above that maybe the fifth floor you see give me a knowledge roll of seven okay two seconds you're not gonna believe this but i got a 10 on the d10 and my knowledge is five so that's like 15. sweet uh, you know exactly what this is you see a pair of of wolf pack drones so the guard dogs that you've seen previously are the sort of like civilian models mm. and these are the millsec models these are What's interesting about these is that they are designed to sort of like detach, they, they like break apart into smaller drones and they kind of like reconstruct themselves once they arrive at the target. And, oh, that sounds nightmarish. That's awesome. And they are currently on this floor scratching at doors and it's and you're not sure what they're looking for, but they are definitely, there's a pair of them definitely scratching at doors. And you know as a fact that these are not something a normal civilian would get a hold of and they're pretty dangerous because they're not mm. only designed for like reconnaissance these are like like the military police use these for like hurting people and luca looks to you and he's like pick one. Oh, oh oh i see okay uh right uh i i will do as much as i can where are you going first uh, well, uh, my skill set is especially suited to, uh... I know skill set. Y- yeah, so, uh, maybe not the, uh, military dogs first, but it will be on my route, let's, let's say that. Where are you going? Uh, well, I, I need to survey the situation from a safe distance? <laughs> fine and he, he seems like he doesn't have time to deal with your your equivocations right now so he, he can't know about the phone okay he just can't know that i'm gonna go to my room and get the phone that's like the first thing i do <laughs> instead he just sort of takes a key card from his from his pocket and he hands it to you and it's like this will get you anywhere you need to go i will hand this back at the first opportunity you don't need to worry i'm not worried about that but I do suggest you not do anything foolish with it. Uh, that is advice that has been uh, noted and filed away for prosperity. Wonderful. Now leave, please. You're worrying the people around here. And from your perspective, there are no people around here. P-people? She doesn't want, like, the, I, I think every fiber of her being would be kind of like, don't think about it too much, Carrie, just get the hell out of there. <laughs> What's interesting? Do you leave the room? <laughs> like after kind of questioning people, uh, yeah. Like her body would just be like, "No, we're not. We're not staying for this. We're we are getting out of here." 
What's really interesting about this room you find yourself in, I mean, there's a, there's several interesting things about this room that you find yourself in. But the, one, but the one that's most interesting is that it feels like there should be people in here, right? Like, it feels like there's, like, stuff around, but it's, like, all very indistinct. Like, if you're, you're looking at desks and you're like, huh, is that a tablet on a desk? But your brain's not quite, like, sure. <laughs> and that seems weird Great. to you. Um, the only thing that is very clear to you is the elevator that you took to get back up here, and you distinctly remember that this elevator is how you got here. Okay. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of uh, the best place to head, though. But, oh my gosh, like, Carrie would, would just be the normie that has, like, minimal defenses against the occult and is completely out of her depth in all magic situations. I mean, this, is, <laughs> this worked out so much worse than the last time you recorded <laughs> Last time went swimmingly compared to this until my PC blue screened. <laughs> I feel like you actually got useful information last time, but now your brain is broken. And with, Again, more so. With that, let's turn the camera back over to Anders, who is leaving the elevator with Kieran, Sunday Grant, and Necton Boyle. What does he see when he enters the lobby? All right, the lobby. It's uh, not n- not anywhere near as pristine as it usually is. Um, no one's at the front desk, for example, but that's because it it seems quite a lot of people came through here in a in a hurry, in a very angry hurry, because there is at least one uh, android that has been downed. You can't see who it is, but like they're not moving and they're not getting up again uh from what you can't tell exactly in what way they're damaged you just know that uh they they are not operational at all (laughs) and maybe a window or two has been smashed um maybe there's a burn mark on the carpet you're not quite sure but uh it could be anything at this stage and uh, you do see a couple of low-level robes, like some stragglers that didn't make it to the integration center or, or realize they were meant to go there before things got really out of hand. Uh, you see a few stragglers kind of running past or trying to get into the lift and just out of there. Uh, you definitely see someone is hiding behind the front desk. You can't quite tell who, uh, but uh, it's probably, probably not a good idea to uh, call them out just yet. So Kieran stands by the elevator and keeps it open and he's letting any of the the cult members who are still stuck in here escape if they wish and making sure no one else gets past. Mm. And Sunday is looking around the room and she notices a fairly large clutch of protesters with about five of them that seem to be the ones who are in charge. So there's like a group of maybe 12 or 13 people and they're all kind of like yelling various like slogans and they're just sort of like chanting at each other and they all seem like very engaged but but most of the ones on the periphery are just, you know, kind of like parroting what's going on on the inside but there's at least like five people there who are like very into it and they seem to have a lot more skin in this game. That's a very appropriate way of putting it. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So Anders looks over to Sunday and Sunday looks back down and she essentially drags um, Anders and Necton towards this group of people. Dragging would be appropriate for Necton because uh, just some some metagame knowledge. uh, Like, his orders weren't precisely go and hide. Let's just put it that way. But that's the interpretation and the takeaway he took from that. Excellent. So what what does this group do? Like, what are they up to? Uh, This group is like, I mean, they were angry before, but now they've seen you guys who are obviously not the people in grey robes fleeing uh you seem to actually know kind of what you're doing and hey sunday and forgive my ignorance uh what's the name of the android that is accompanying you is it kieran kieran but kieran's by the elevator but he he's Uh, not not near here yet he's not quite as close to the fray but uh yeah no sunday came in full battle rattle uh and she is uh ready to party and uh they notice that and uh they are incensed because uh as far as they're concerned they haven't hurt anyone but this person is here with some kind of weapon 
and uh, there is some yelling. There's a lot of yelling. I won't repeat it here because, quite frankly, it's very rude. Why? Why are you people here? Well, that shuts them up. Uh, <laughs> you ask anyone any like anything along the lines of why, and they really have to think about it. Um, so, the main gaggle of people kind of sort of slinks uh, into not exactly a line, but away from the kind of the five really passionate people who are, you know, have a plan or at least they think they have a plan. But there's uh, there's a uh, there's one guy who takes it upon himself to present the mission statement to present uh, himself as a kind of leader, though um, maybe this is the most leading he's done all day, really. So Sunday asks them, why are you here? And this and the guy who I'm going to dub Snarky Guy, because uh, that's the moniker we came up last time uh, with, he kind of kind of just scoffs a little bit, uh, which is not an appropriate reaction to this situation. But this guy is clueless on at least some level. So maybe that was a bad question. I, I guess I should have said, please get out of here unless you have a good reason. And if you do have a good reason, tell it to me now before we have to kick you out of here. Um, this guy, at the me- at the mere mention of, you know, tell tell it to me, talk to me, tell me your good reason, which is what he took away from that exchange, he kind of springs to life and he's kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'd say the Slade guy outside is a pretty good reason to be pissed off. I would agree. That situation is being handled. Now leave. Handled? Handled? Is that how you handle all sorts of situations you know just flay a guy and leave him to, you know leave him for people to gawk at is that it's, what are you doing to people here this guy is like incensed and he is running on pure like rage and surprise at himself he will run out of steam sooner rather than later but at the moment he's on top of the world i might ask the same thing of you and she points to the android on the ground what a is that what you people do? Like, the guy is kind of, like, confused because to him, android does not equal person. Like, and that is something... Well, let's say that's going to have to be at least five occult experiences in a short amount of time to kind of change his view on that. But he's kind of like... He's kind of like, what a weird question. What, like... He, feel, he feels a bit bamboozled by the question. He feels like he's trying... He feels like Sunday's trying to catch him out. Um, so he kind of scoffs at her again, and he's kind of like, yeah, so what? It's just a robot. And he says robot. He uses that word. Give me give me a grace roll. Give me a hard grace roll. A grace roll for, for Sunday. For Anders. For Anders, right. Ooh. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Did you say a hard grace roll? Oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Let's say 12. Oh, I feel bad already. Good luck. 10. So here's what happens. Anders realizes what's about to happen an instant before it does, but he is, he's just too slow. So as the guy says robot, Sunday Grant decks him. He just just lays him out. And, and it is extremely clear that Sunday has broken his nose. Anders is like trying to reach for her to like put his hand on his sho- her shoulders to try to like stop her, but it, but he is not fast enough by by half. And, and Sunday just lays this guy out. And that is why Sunday Grant is terrifying. I'm glad we're getting to see that now. <laughs> So that's what happens. What goes on? What is, what's going on? Like now? the guy is obviously shocked, and like the group as a whole is shocked because in their mind they've hurt no one. They're here to save people. They're the heroes. God damn it! They're the good guys. So the fact that this guy has been assaulted for saying what he thinks is a perfectly fine word to use, they're even angrier. They're even angrier, and they are more steadfast in their position. And this so- anger is boiling uh but this guy hasn't done anything yet he's just still kind of shocked like half of his face is broken you could have killed someone and sunday looks furious and you're standing here as if you've done nothing wrong i should and she stops herself and and kieran actually appears next to her and kieran puts a hand hand on her shoulder and she looks at kieran 
and she sighs. I okay, can't do the, the, this right the, now. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. But like the guy, uh, he's kind of come to his senses a bit. And like he sees Karen. He sees how because K- Kieran's quite quite a big dude isn't he he's like a oh, yeah. combat yeah Kieran's, Kieran's huge and interesting to, even to this guy like Kieran does not move like an android Kieran's definitely an android but does not move like an android like his ex- he's has expressions there's a real sort of like exchange between like a non-verbal exchange between Sunday and Kieran and Anyone who's paying attention. I don't know if this guy's paying attention or if he's seeing Oh, this guy is definitely not paying attention. It's not, he doesn't, he can't perceive it to be within the realm of possibility that there is a wordless exchange going between, going on between a human and an android. Cool. So what is he doing? This guy, he was, he was in shock and now he's just, the rage has boiled over. He has like a tipping point so much low, lower than the normal person anyway. And now it's like full on, like the pot has boiled over. Um, and in his, the back of his brain, he remembers reading something somewhere that androids can't hurt humans because something, something three laws <laughs> compliance. Yeah. Uh, and it's from a very dodgy source. So uh, this might not work out super great for this guy, but he's convinced himself like, oh, androids can't hurt humans because that's just how they're made and they can't lie and all of this stuff that he's filled his head with and never thought to question and he's not questioning it now because he lunges at sunday oh holy crap really what what do his yeah this guy isn't super bright this guy is yeah do the rest of them do i haven't even named this guy but uh i have a feeling we're gonna hear all about him shortly Do, do the rest of the group do anything What's Necton doing? <laughs> Necton is kind of like he's maneuvered himself behind Sunday. She she's the woman with the plan, uh, but he's also kind of ma- trying to make it look like she he's being supportive, he's backup kind of thing, and he's trying to be. But he's not looking at the guy. He's thinking, oh well, that you know that's the guy he sorted out. He's he's not going to mess with Sunday of all people. God. So Necton is kind of like really doesn't want to get involved, and he thinks, right, okay. You know, tension released. The guy's broken his nose. Nothing else is going to happen because these go. These guys know how it's going to be now. The other four of the five very vocal, very passionate people. They are not stopping this guy. They a few of them might even cheer or begin to cheer, depending on how how hard this is put down. Uh, people in the back are like holy crap, this has escalated quickly kind of thing. And maybe someone in the back kind of like, their body moves, but of course they're, they're, they're in the back. They can't reach. They can't reach this guy who's about to go to go for Sunday. I think maybe there's someone, someone who's quite small and compact who's trying desperately to slink away, away from this mess that is about to happen because they know this is not going to end well. Like in their bones, they can feel... Oh goodness, no, this is this is something more. This is this is really, really, really bad. Uh what have I done? I just I just wanted to shout about my beliefs for a while, but I've ended up inside the compound. This is not what I had envisioned envisioned. And now I'm probably going to die. Like this person's panicking and they're trying to slink away from the group. So as they slink out, two people push in. And these two people are wearing the and the robot masks and the the computer cuffs and they're carrying around what looks like baseball bats but maybe uh. bats and they're pushing in so i have a so i have a question for you does kieran a stay with sunday grant um for this or b go over to try to interdict those two guys okay so those two guys they've just walked in what are they doing <laughs> So, so in this chaos, in this like brewing fight, you like, like, let's like slow-mo has, has come in. Right. Like, and so bullet time, love it. Right. (laughs) And so, so this guy's lunging at Sunday Grant, but at the exact same time, these two guys are sort of like tapping like baseball bats against their legs and just strutting inside and the, the crowd seems to be like parting away from them. Like they don't want anything to do with these guys and they are they are basically clear of the crowd in a few seconds and they're just sort of standing there looking around the room like it's the most normal thing in the entire world from behind me is masks. Oh, they're definitely there for a fight. 
And I think Kieran would register, right? Okay, threat count has gone from one to three. Um, but he would also definitely... I have this whole feeling that like Sunday and Kieran are... Well, I mean, they, they work together, but there must be a closeness there and that he'd probably maybe want to protect her in some way like not that sunday can't take care of herself but also like there is a threat nearer to his colleague uh so i feel like he'd stay and then just kind of make sure that's handled and if these two guys that have just shown up are wanting to join join the fray then he can provide backup support because like he, i i would imagine karen is uh has a lot of faith in Sunday's abilities, but uh, he's also there to do a job and provide provide support where necessary. Cool. In that case, Karen does stay with Sunday, and the fight starts. And as it does, Sunday like looks over to Anders and kind of motions with her eyes for Anders to go take care of the the two guys with the baseball bats. And Anders kind of looks over to Nectin and he's like, uh. Hey, buddy, I think we've got a job to do. Yes, yes, very good. All right. And uh, like you get, you don't know why, but you get the distinct feeling that this guy, just from his face alone, you get the distinct feeling he's trying to kind of uh, think back to a summer that he did judo a long, long time <laughs> ago. <laughs> That's where his brain has gone in this crisis situation. And Anders seems sort of upset that he doesn't get to see this fight, but instead he kind of saunters. He, he like, puts his hand on, like, Nectin's shoulder, and it's supposed to be comforting, but coming from Anders, it's really not. And then he, he kind of, like, saunters over to these two, two dudes with the baseball bat. As the camera kind of pans away, like, you can see, like, Sunday, like, doing her best not to kill this guy. But, but also Excellent. manhandling him. Like it is, the, the fight could not be possibly be any more one-sided as as Sunday sort of like tears into this dude. But Kieran is not, awesome. Kieran has not done anything. Kieran is just sort of standing there like watching. He has not touched a single person in this engagement. But, but Sunday- I think that's probably for the best. <laughs> Sunday is absolutely manhandling this dude. In fact, it looks like she's having fun. Like it looks like she's, trying it's like a barroom brawl that she's like really into because she's trying to punch this guy as much as she can before he eventually passes out all right let's turn the camera before we before we look at what what's going on with these two dudes baseball bats <laughs> 